All right, everybody, welcome to the 312th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage kicking it live and direct. Just checked a look at my uh, shaved face, and I'm feeling like I look like a horrible 24, not the uh, 31-year-old man that I am. So, you know, looking good in my old age, but uh, I'm ready to talk about this basketball team, bro. How, How have you been, though? Oh, I was kind of like out of it completely today i went to Austin stadium uh on saturday with my dad and unfortunately the ducks came up short but i i cheered so loud and so hard my apple watch thought i walked almost seven miles and i set like a personal like calorie burnt record like just absolutely spent didn't get the best night's sleep and then you know we get up and we do you know some yard work i mow the lawn you know put do our walk and you know get as much of the leaves off the ground as i can and then like around like two or three, just like night, night, like I needed to go to sleep. And I finally got like a two hour nap and I just I feel re- re-energized, uh, rejuvenated. I didn't know if we were going to do this podcast tonight. Like you, you sent me a text and I was like, I'm going to try and sleep and let's see what happens. And sure enough, I got some sleep uh, and we're, we're able to talk about uh, this team that just keeps finding a way to win this team that is sitting atop the Western Conference standings right now at nine and four. This team that just went on a four-game road trip against absolute quality opponents, a six-game road trip, excuse me, and went four and two. They went three and one in games this week. They defeat the Miami Heat on the road on another buzzer beater from Josh Hart, 110-107. They handle business against the Charlotte Hornets, despite their starting front court out, uh, 105-95. They follow that up with probably, I think, the most impressive win of the season, second night of a back-to-back, holding the New Orleans Pelicans, that high-powered offense under 100 points. They walk, they run away with it in the second half, 106-95. And they were so close to coming home with another victory, but they could not hold off Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic, and the Dallas Mavericks, losing the final of the sixth game road trip, uh, sixth game of the road trip, 112 to 117. But we looked at this at the start of the season and we saw Phoenix back to back. Then you go into Miami, which always gives you fits. Charlotte, you know, gave you the business last year. New Orleans, who was going to guard Zion? And then you have Luka. Uh, the following night in Dallas, like we were hoping for one to two wins and for them to get four of the six Sage. I mean, the Blazers are road warriors right now. They have the best road record in the entire NBA, uh, which is just phenomenal thing. They're six and two on, on the road, like just it's, it's almost uh, difficult to put into words how impressive they have been and how good they've been in the early part of the season. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, that, that the zone that they employ for large stretches of time is a way for the, them to test the IQ of the opposing team. Like that two, three zone stopped new Orleans in their tracks for many, many possessions. Portland scored 
and was able to set up the zone and New Orleans didn't know how to break it. They had the perfect zone breaker in my mind in Zion Williams, and they just didn't employ it until it was a little too late. What happens when a team like the Mavericks with multiple passers happens in that zone? It's like, that's where the test is. Like, is this going to be a viable defense for us to employ in large stretches against a smart team? Dallas demolished that zone in the first first quarter, and then because the shooting, their shooting regressed, that zone looked perfect. And then in that fourth quarter, Spencer Dinwiddie happened to hit threes. So my question almost always for these shows is going to be is, how is that zone going to hold up? With with Ebanks and a, cast, a rotating cast of characters, the one thing that you could rely on defensively is that zone. So I'm I'm wondering if there will be any changes to the zone because against the Hornets, we put Damian Lillard into foul uh, into potential foul trouble, having him be the three in the two three zone. So I'm very curious of what we do defensively with that zone. I think just like in baseball with a pitcher, you have to have second. You know, you you can't just have one one pitch. Usually, the great pitchers have three, four, five pitches. That's what the zone defense has to be for Portland. Yes, I believe they're playing the second most zone of any NBA team uh, currently. But they don't need to just rely on it. I think it's smart to use it situationally. Like, I think it really threw Zion off of his game because that's how you have to defend him. You can't let him go one-on-one because what happens is he got to the line almost at will in that fourth quarter late in the game. But by that point, it took everybody else out of the flow. So the, the Pelicans were kind of all out of rhythm, all out of sync. And I think the coaching staff's going to have to almost play it by ear and say, is our man defense getting it done? If not, okay, we need to go to a zone. And then you have to hope that the threes aren't falling. Um, you know, there's a reason you play seven game series in the NBA, right? When, when you go zone, you're going to, you might get burnt two or three of those games. But as long as you don't get burnt the majority of the time, It is a good defense. It does also allow you to make up for some of your deficiencies on that end of the floor when you are playing a smaller backcourt in Lillard and Simons. Um, And a smaller frontcourt because of Eubanks, too. Yeah, you also mentioned, um, is it a long-term solution? Uh, It it might be, and I think the Blazers are going to get even better defensively once Gary Payton II is able to become active and gets acclimated in this system. Like he's, do you he's think a, he's going to be in the zone or do you think he will be strictly man because of him and his lockdown corner abilities? I think you need to play the defense that is going to give you the best chance at winning. And sometimes that's a zone. If you're going up against non-shooters, because as good as Gary Payton is uh, on an Island, he is equally as talented playing those passing lanes and getting out there and hawking and getting that fast break started. Um, you know, the Blazers, they did get beat by by the Mavericks, and that's going to happen over an 82-game season. But they didn't. They, they were without probably a few of their better defenders. You, you know, Yusuf Nurkic doesn't play. Justice Winslow doesn't play. Uh, Gary Payton II doesn't play. Even, you know, Keon Johnson's going to give you some solid minutes. He wasn't available as well. So 40-point triple doubles, they're going to happen. He's arguably a top-two candidate for the Most Valuable Player Award, and it's going to happen. You have to pick your poison when you play superstars like that. Do you want Luca to go and get, you know, and, and just beat you one-on-one, which he was doing. He had 42 points. Or do you want to see if Spencer Dinwiddie can continue to stay hot over the past three games, which he did. He hit three big threes down the stretch. So 
you're going to face those teams, uh, especially in the gauntlet that is the Western Conference. But, you know, so far, I, I think you have to like the results you're seeing from the Trailblazers and how they're really kind of uh, making that that zone work. Because right now, if you look at the Blazers and what, what I love about the zone is they are still rebounding out of the zone. Uh, the Blazers are number five in the NBA in a opposition second chance points. They're only allowing the opponent to get 12 and a half points off of second chance points. That's fifth best in the league. They're still doing a great job at defending the three point line. Um, if you look at the Blazers, they rank number 11 in uh, opponent three point percentage. Just 35% is what they're allowing from three. And, and employing a two three zone, which has exactly gooey and middles. This- for three-pointers to shoot from. And despite playing so much zone, teams are only taking under 35 threes a game against the Blazers. That's 21st in the league. So you would think with a zone, teams would be shooting more. They're they're not. So it's interesting to see how it's working. Um, You you look at the recipes for success, and we've kind of done this over the course of the season just to kind of uh, dissect how the Blazers are getting it done. Uh, they're still doing a fa- fabulous job at getting to the line. They're number three at getting to the line 26 and a half times per game. They're even better at making those free throws. Uh, they're number two. They make just over 20 free throws a game. Now, here's the kicker, Sage. If they were to improve their percentage, they're just shooting 76% right now. That's 23rd in the league. If they were to convert two or three more of those, they're going to be even more difficult to deal with. And um, I feel like it's like good free throw shooter, like Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard, not not finishing the drill. Absolutely. I mean, Jeremy Grant could improve his free throws uh, as well. And, you know, we always also talk about the Blazers and how fast they're playing, how slow they're playing, but yet they're still getting out on the break. I think another thing that is helping out their defense is they are not playing recklessly or out of control. They're actually the second slowest team uh, in pace. So they're only, uh, uh, their pace is 90, just a little over 90, 97, but they're still 12th and fast break points. So they're finding their opportunities to run and they are making it count. So when you slow the game down a bit, you're not allowing these teams to get these extra possessions, these extra threes, these extra looks at the basket. So it does make your defense look a little bit better than than maybe what it really is. So uh, whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, you know, the, the player performance, However you want to look at it, the Blazers are are getting it done and they're getting it done without really with without a full lineup. Uh, the, the Miami game uh, was really the, the only game that the Blazers have had their full allotment of players aside from Gary Payton, the second in almost two full weeks. So they're still they're almost just like by committee right now, like sub in, sub out. You're going to miss a game. You're missing the game. Who knows? the severity of these injuries, but they're still finding a way. Um, and that's really impressive. I think the one thing that we can't track with analytics or any of this shit is the heart that, you know, these players provide on the court. Like Jeremy Grant has had two years where he hasn't competed except for how many points per game he can score. Or Damian Lillard had a whole year of not being able to play at his fullest abilities. Anthony Simons is trying to prove that he earned that contract. Josh Hart is trying to earn that contract. So all of these guys have these this 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 want that dog need. in them. Yeah, exactly. The want and need and the dog in them to fight for, you know, whatever. So we may look at like the statistics and say, wow, we're doing well out 
but we're inefficient at X, Y, and Z. But, you know, the heart is something very difficult to quantify by any statistical output. And I, I think that this team has heart. Like, I think that the Blazers of old, in that first quarter after the Mavericks punched him in the mouth, I feel like we probably would have folded. But with this new group of guys that ain't going to let that happen, they actually counterpunched. And, you know, I, I I don't really watch Blazers uh, basketball for a few, you know, the, the broadcasters. But the one time I did, Chauncey Billups kind of talked about the game like it's a fight. And you know what? we took their best punch and were able to counter punch. So it's kind of, it, it's a, it's a new thing with the Blazers where we may, may be looking bad, but we can easily come back. Cause this is a game of runs and we have guys that can put numbers. I mean, the Miami game is, is really no different than the Dallas game. Portland was down what 15 or 17 points in that third quarter. And it looked like they were, were dead to rights. And yet, they had one of the the greatest four minute stretches to close out that game. Uh, one of the Miami, uh, I think it was like Cooper Moorhead, tweeted out after that game. Over the last four minutes, Portland's offensive rating was two forty nine point two. Now, just for reference, the current league leaders are the Denver Nuggets. They're, that that rating to lead the league is one nineteen point four. So they doubled the the best team in the league for a four minute stretch to close out a game on the road. Uh, it's just incredible what what confidence can do for you uh you know you see max Struess hit that three and you're like oh shit you know here we go but i think by not calling that timeout you caught miami off guard and dan was able to kind of lull them to sleep and he put i believe it was kyle lowry in a no-win situation you remember uh, okay i talked about this a few years ago on the holy backboard where damian lillard put josh hart in the same no-win situation you saw that yeah because New Orleans was kicking the shit out of the Blazers, but they fought back, put Josh Hart in that, do I contest, do I close out type of thing, and bada boom, bada bing, they made the right decision. Would you have called the timeout in that last six-second scenario after the Max Struess, or would you, you have let I, I think this is where like the Monday morning quarterback kicks in, because I think I was talking to myself, I was like, you got to call a timeout here, like you got to regroup, but... Looking back, I think by wait, they almost like the Heat didn't know if they were going to call the Blazers. Didn't I think know Heat if they were going to call a timeout. The timeout. Yeah, I, I think that just general confusion really worked in Portland's favor. And when you have a leader like Damian Lillard, who's been through it all, you put the ball in his hands, and more times than not, it, it's going to work out. So probably in the moment, I was saying timeout, but it's it was the right call just to to give it to Dame because even if Josh Hart misses that shot, that is a better shot than you're going to get out of a timeout. You can't ask for a better shot than that. He were going to be set up defensively if they called. They are a very good. Yeah, that's another yeah. good thing. Is like they're a very good defense. They would have uh, seen something so Kyle Lowry isn't in that position. Or Bam. Bam can't double Dame as soon as he gets the ball. And mm-hmm. we, the Blazers, you know, they have trouble inbounding the ball. It doesn't matter who the coach is, who the players are. The Blazers have always had trouble inbounding the ball. You don't want to risk a five second. You don't want to risk much. So if they have a, a timeout after that timeout. I know they had one timeout. So you really are, this is your one and only shot to make this this play work, so it better work. No, I was I was a fan of it because it looked like the Heat weren't ba- balanced. And then it's Damian Lillard. It, I would have felt differently if it was any other Blazer with the ball in their hands. Like, I, I don't think Ant's at that place where he can make that 
that read at that time with that that situation. So it was only only Dame in that situation. I would have felt very safe. But I, honestly, like the the Max Struess one, I thought was devastating. There was like, I don't, I don't know if I trust them because of the recency bias of watching years past to make a foul before the Struess shot. But I definitely wanted them to foul for possession, but they got that three off quick. It was a it was a tough three. You just kind of have to tip your hat. Yeah, because if just think worst case scenario, they foul him, he scores and yep. four. So I, you know, like I, I don't know if I'm there yet to like just forgive past Blazers actions because like we doc we document everything that we see for you know all eternity. It's it's out there. So I don't I don't know if like I'm re- mentally prepared for the the foul before the shot and then play the free throw game. So I I mean it worked out in our favor, but there was you know there was a lot of sec- uh, next morning quarterbacking that could be done if you know any of the the things in the last six minutes were different. Back to the New Orleans game. I think of reason the Blazers won that game stage. Now, uh, we didn't get to see Shaden Sharp in that one. Oh, can I talk about that one? Blazers did a naughty naughty. He was not on the injury report. And you know I look at the injury report at 3 o'clock. He was not there. That is such a, that's a naughty naughty Blazers to do that. Because you said Shaden Sharp's out. I was like, no fucking way. I looked at that. I I did research. I put I projected minutes for Shaden Sharp to play. Where the fuck is Shaden Sharp? That's a I mean, that's disingenuous to sports betters like me, but I don't know, think the Blazers But New Orleans probably deserves to know who's available and who's not on the injury report. I think it was a last minute cuz he was probable. No, he was not on the list. He was not was on Casey the list. Twe- Casey tweeted out a while ago he was probable. Mm-mm. You know I'm on that shit because I have to build the the uh, rotations. And I was like, oh, I'm giving him 26. And then come to find out with no tweets. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Because, you know, I like it was a it was a Thursday night game. So there's six games. So I had plenty of time to to look at the shit. But what were you saying before I interrupted you about the lack of shade and sharp about freaking DFS? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, hold on. I actually want to see when Casey tweeted this out, so I'm not speaking out of my ass either. They're supposed to announce it by 3 p.m. that day. Yeah, Casey tweeted out at 11.34 local time. 11.34 a.m. For reals? Well, Asia's injury report. Shaden Sharp and Justice Winslow are probable. Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic are questionable, as well as Damian Lillard. Uh, wait, we, we got to talk about that, too. Like, I, I It's really hard to keep track who's been in these games. The Blazers won in New Orleans without Damian Lillard. Jeremy Grant was fantastic. He was, but also the player who I was going to talk about before you just went on your sports betting rant is Nasir Little. That was the best game. That was his best game by far. By far. I mean, he He, he should have finished the game. Honestly. Yes. He should have finished the game. He was confident. And and that's uh, confidence is a powerful motherfucker. So if you're confident, you can really perform to your abilities. You believe in yourself. Your teammates believe in you. I felt confident in him being on the floor, putting the ball on the floor, just looking so smooth and agile, going to the rack, finishing strong. Like that, I was like, this is the Nasir Little that that we have been been waiting for. And it seems like it's. Do you all believe finally... in the shot? 
What's that? Do you believe in his three point shot this year? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. It's looking good. He's it's stepping good. into it with confidence. He shoots a little bit of a flatter jump shot, but the percentages say it's working out for yeah. him. I mean, Desmond Bain doesn't have a pretty jumper, but that shit goes in. Like, yeah, I, I'm. I've been very happy with. Uh, now there are some times where he doesn't, where he has issues, but the Bla- the Blazers weren't mm, Blazers Pelicans game. Absolutely, you. I felt like he deserved to be in there in those last six minutes because he was actually producing, and you know the the well, this lineup could have used him. Sage, here's a question for you. What's up? Would you rather have Nasir Little and his 46% from three or Justice Winslow shooting 25% from three in the game? Well, Justice was fucking horrendous. It was, it was, it was Justice, Ant, Josh, Jeremy, Ebanks, or uh Watford to finish the game, right? Yep. Honestly, would you rather have somebody that no, it, it's about the spacing because Jeremy Grant's finishing that game. Jeremy Grant's going to be the lead guy that game. So you you have a guy that can provide spacing for Jeremy Grant. Like we we have to look at it like how do we best utilize the players that we have available with jo- like Jeremy and Ant being the two guys that you trust to make a decision. I know Justice can handle the ball, but in that scenario with J- Oh, Jeremy okay. can handle the ball. Josh can handle the ball. Ant can handle the ball. So you have ball handlers out so there. So you want the guy that can spread the floor and, and that's playing confident. Not only spread the floor, but who do you want dribbling the basketball into the in the teeth of the defense that game? Nasir Little proved it on multiple occasions. Justice, I think it was either that game or the he game. He bricked before. against Jose Alvarado twice. He was in, blowing bunnies. Like he was just against the guy. Way. I'm taller than Jose Alvarado, dog. Yeah. Like so. I think that's the biggest critique I have of the coaching staff in this early season is not trusting the young players enough to let them finish the games. Like I texted you, I was like, Josh Hart was over nine and played almost 40 minutes. Why is Shaden Sharp only getting 19 minutes? Shaden should have been, you know, in there because he is going to, he's going to hit the shot. He's shooting almost 50% from, from three. And the New Orleans game was another, uh, a testament to that. And then also is, Chauncey Billups and the coaching staff going to have, I think, the the onions to sit Dame or Ant in close games because that Miami game could have went the opposite way because they were hunting either of those with Jimmy Butler and Butler was just posting up getting easy looks. That's going to happen. And uh-uh. you're not hurting anybody's feelings. They both get their money regardless but there comes a point in time, there is going to come a point in time where you're going to need to be large on the court. And one of those, and you're not taking Dame out. So I, I'm are you going to, are you going to have the, you know what to say, and you can come back in an offense, but we need more, we need more size and depth. We need Gary Payton out there to defend well, uh, Jimmy Butler. For that heat game in particular, wasn't the chicken wing from Bam Adebayo to Ant the thing that, Yes, we got the ball. Yeah, so I okay. I don't. I think there's there's loyalty to Justice and Josh that because they were there last year. I think Chauncey Phillips gives them more leash. Where Nasir and Shaden, because they have had less time, 
they don't get. And I think that in that New Orleans game in particular, Nasir was just a better player than Justice Winslow. Honestly, I think he's a better player than him normally. But I think that there's that trust factor that he has with those dudes because they're veterans, been in the league for a while. Justice Winslow isn't going to be on this team in four years. Shane Sharp and uh, and uh, Nasir are so I I would I personally would want to give them those time to shine, but I I don't think that Chauncey's there yet to just handle like Josh you're playing poorly let Nasir run or let let Shaden run I don't think he's there yet and I definitely don't think he's that has the the testicular fortitude to take Anthony Simons out in a clutch situation, especially because what I'm just, and I'm projecting a playoff series, certain game like that. Teams, teams are going to to play right now. What's that? We're third in the West, right? One baby. Oh, okay. Let's look who eight is. The Clippers. You don't think Paul George and Kawhi, if he well, plays? Well, I, let's. I, I think if they're eight, Kawhi is done. So you just. Oh, Paul fair George. enough. So do you don't think Paul George is hunting Anthony Simons every play in the playoffs? That's what's going to happen. The Blazers are going to have. You can get rid of. You can in regular season ball, especially to the Clippers. These wins are kind of like not nearly as important to them as they are to us because we haven't really experienced, you know, regular season winning in a few years, really. So. We we take these wins way more seriously than them. But playoff basketball is all about hunting that mismatch. And it's very it's very clear who what the mismatches on our team are with Anthony Simons and, and Damian Lillard defensively. So Paul George is hunting. Because I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that the Blazers play well when one of Dame or Ant doesn't play because it allows you to get that size in depth on the wings like you're actually a big basketball team and that just it allows them also to operate as the guy and and i think that really empowers both of them um i'm not again i'm not saying damon yes jeremy grant gets bumped up a peg on uh the option list again i'm not i'm not saying damon never going to work but i'm saying there's a reason why this team is performing well when one of those two isn't playing it's it's just they're they're both ball handlers um but i have liked how they have kind of running Damien a little bit off of the ball. Uh, I also really like how they're utilizing. Uh, there was a play in that Miami game where they, they hit the ball into the middle of the paint. Uh, Watford flashed, dumped it to Ant. And while he also passed it to him, set him a screen. So Ant moved to the three-point line in the wing. It was the third quarter. Just a beautiful open look. So I do think as the team grows with one another, gets more chemistry on the court, I think we are going to see hopefully less, you know, isolation and and stagnant offense and more a little bit free flowing decision making on the fly. So there is obviously reason for optimism in that department as the season ages and progresses. Do you remember? Okay, this. Do you remember in the Heat game where Justice Winslow set his screen for Dame and Justice rolled and then stopped in the middle and then Dame collided? That was some of the worst shit I've ever seen. But that was like the most memorable shit. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it's... Uh, What's up? I was going to say, you you talked about Jeremy Grant moving up a notch, you know, when, when one of those two are out. And Yusuf. Um, as well. But like, were we wrong about Jeremy Grant 
because he has been, I think, a revelation for the Blazers. I don't, I think it was JJ Reddick's podcast where he described Jeremy Grant as being underutilized in a role in Denver, probably overutilized in a role in Detroit. But right now, the role feels pretty good for Jeremy Grant. Like he's coming off of a monster road trip. He played in five of the six games, uh, 36 minutes, 26 points, 55% from the field, 55% from three. 82 from the line, five and a half boards, three assists, one block, uh, game winner in Phoenix, an incredible game breaker crossover on Zion Williamson, where he just surged like he got a turbo boost on the PlayStation for a jam. Uh, 37 points in, in Dallas. Like this, this dude has a legitimate case to be a Western Conference All-Star, and he has blown away my expectations for him. And um I think it goes into maybe reading in too much to the rumors you hear that Jeremy Grant wants to be this type of option on offense. He's not going to be happy unless he gets it. There are nights when he's featured. There are nights when he's a little bit more uh, a wallflower, but for the most part, like he is a knockdown shooter from three. He spaces that floor. He can handle the ball, put the ball on the floor, uh, create his own shot, uh, carries a team on, you know, a few nights out of the year, uh, that that has been, I think, one of the most under the radar moves that the Blazers made, and I'm going to be the first to admit I I undersold that move. Uh, I For think sure. it has worked out fantastically for Portland, and Portland is not where they're at right now without getting that acquisition. So you know, I'll be the the first to admit that I I I was wrong on Jeremy Grant. He is a better player than I remember, or he looks a lot better in a system where he's playing with a, two people in Damon Anthab, so much gravity. He did not have those in Detroit to take that pressure off of him. Now he's able to operate. And if teams want to double, there are players that are going to obviously make the defense pay. So I, I think no Jeremy Grant, we're not talking, we're, we're having a much different tone right now about the season. Maybe looking towards the, the, you know, college basketball season starting uh, so really solid move for the Blazers. And I think it's been, like I said, an absolute uh, revelation for this Blazers team to have a, a four that can play at his caliber. You know, when you know, no, no disrespect to Zach Collins and, and Alfaruk Aminu, but to have a four of his caliber has been uh, very wonderful. He's a decision maker. And that's something Dame hasn't had ever in his career from that position group. The one thing that I'm kind of worried about is that Jeremy Grant does well when there's added usage. So like when Ant's out or Dame's out or Yusuf's out. I'm very curious to see what happens to Jeremy Grant's numbers when Dame's playing. I probably should spell his name right. Uh, Anthony's playing. Like what happens to Jeremy Grant? Because I think that like, when there's ever any like added responsibility, Jeremy Grant takes it and takes it really well. But I'm worried about with Yusuf, Yusuf has an enormous amount of responsibility on this team. And if Dame's ever out, I always assume that Yusuf takes that nurture that usage. So I'm I'm very curious to look at what happens with Dame on the court, Ant on the court, Yusuf on the court, and Jeremy on the court. I mean, you, you look at, at this season so far, they've only played a handful. We've only so had it's our 99 minutes with those, the, with yeah, only it's, those four. 
such a small sample early and it's a brand new group together like damon ant really haven't played together uh they used to always you know stagger the minutes obviously jeremy's new to the team and yusuf has been in and out of of the lineup so this is really brand new yeah I so think, 99 I think your minutes point is those. your your point is valid but i i don't think we're going to know the answer to your to your question until past the all-star break maybe deep into the spring once they've had months of basketball together and really this this falls all on the shoulders of the coaching staff and Damian Lillard they need to work hand in hand on how to get everyone involved because that's what the great teams do they have multiple options but they're able to keep all of those options engaged they don't just let one player go off and everybody else is disinterested you got to find ways to uh highlight matchups mismatches uh, work to their strengths. And obviously, if someone goes down, that player is capable now of taking uh, additional uh, responsibility. But, you know, I, I think you have a good point. It's just I don't know if we're going to know that until later on in the season. So let me let me just talk about what happens. I, I think that the most talented group is Dame, Ant, Jeremy, Josh, and Yusuf. You can say Shaden, but with I'll, this I'll coaching Shaden, staff. He's, yeah, he's, with this coaching staff, <laughs> it's not happening. But it seems like that looking at those five, Yusuf takes a haircut, Ant takes a haircut, Jeremy takes a haircut, and Josh is just fully shaven. So I, I think that because of the injuries and because of you know the reshuffling of lineups and you we've haven't played with Gary Payton, like this it when they are fully healthy. For Jeremy to get the usage and then the points and the production that he needs, he has to be way like pre like extremely efficient with all of the things that he does. Because you know, Dame's getting his, Ant's getting his, and Yusuf's getting his. So it's like I know that the like 99 minutes isn't much, but it does show that everybody knows that Dame's the man. And I, I I think that it will be really sneaky if you're doing prop bets. Like if Dame's out or Yusuf's out, Jeremy Grant's going to take all of it. But I, I don't know if this is going to be a efficient and sufficient enough of like, this is what happens when all of our best ballers play what happens. But I, it, I have all the confidence in the world that Jeremy Grant's going to get shit done when he's called upon it. If, if they're all healthy, I don't know if that's going to be as regular as, we would all like from Jeremy Grant because dude crossed up Zion. Dude is a very skilled basketball player. But when you're playing with Dame, it, it's Dame's team. <laughs> but we need to see more time with those those three guys playing because because for whatever reason, the injury gods have not been have not been kind to those three, especially Yusuf. Because I, I was really hoping we would get to see him play because I, I think that he might be that scapegoat for this year for for uh, that. If we don't get to the point where we want Yusuf Nurkic is going to be the one that gets the the it's all his fault. Before we get into predictions, I have a quick dribble pass shoot for you. So dribble pass shoot on the new city edition uniforms for the Portland Trailblazers inspired by the Portland International Airport. Uh, famous teal carpet. I don't think that I, I am not the uh, person that that is designed for, 
but I want your opinion though. I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't really like any of those leaked jerseys or what they actually are. I find that most of them I can create an NBA 2K rather easily. I think that creating a brand new jersey every year stifles creativity. I think that they had this one in the back pocket, and when they were creatively bankrupt, this is what they chose. So I like it. I don't. I won't purchase one for myself. But I think that Nike needs to not force these designers to to use all of this like for money making. So I don't know. I find that that what Nike's doing is kind of gross. But I, I it's fine. Yeah, I agree with you. I I'll dribble. Uh, on that um i think anytime a team makes a city edition uniform outside of their their color brand palette uh, a, a court needs to be uh accompanying it like it's gonna look really weird on i think that the red and black court now if they did like a portland airport like type of court incorporated that i think that, that would, would be enhanced. cool but that's that's a lot of creativity and logistical brain power that's used other, i'm just saying other teams are also doing rolling out new courts portland is is not alone in um not doing it uh, I, I won't be purchasing a jersey either i think they're good not great i, I would have liked to seen a little bit more fun uh with the jerseys especially with that the iconic carpet pattern but again i think you're right i think they were maybe creatively bankrupt and it's difficult designing a new jersey every single goddamn year so well then they do too because of the day the day the that's, that's the Yes, but that's the statement. So that sh- that that statement should technically be uh, year over year. So they shouldn't have to redesign that. Unfortunately, that, I mean that that's two humongous projects that the Blazers does. Is it a design staff? Like whatever, it, whoever the yeah. entity is that created that had to do two jerseys and create two tails from those jerseys. And it's like, God damn, that's a lot of work for some creatives to like try and design stuff so i i I honestly think that oh shit we have to do two this year airport one and then let's try and whatever the just let dame fucking design your dream exactly you know let's make our decision point with and have dame have a lot of influence and then the second one we'll do the airport and you know we'll make millions of dollars on this and you know what as long as the team wins people are going to buy jerseys that winning is the end all be all and as we uh look at the uh, the upcoming slate of games let's do a quick recap so thankfully i found out tyler hero wasn't going to play damon it we're going to play i changed my prediction via text that the blazers would beat the heat so i was able to go um three and one last week the only game that i got wrong was the pelican game i said the blazers would lose they ended up winning you went two and two you had the blazers beating the Dallas Mavericks, and unfortunately, they could've lost. Could've so uh, nine and four on the season for me, eight and five on the season for you. Uh, just the game separates us. I feel like it's going to be nip tuck all year long. And the Blazers return home for three games this week. They are home uh, Tuesday, the 15th against the San Antonio Spurs, Thursday, the 17th against the Brooklyn Nets, and Saturday, the 19th against the Utah Jazz. Who would have thought? Uh, early November showdown against the Utah Jazz would be one of the most uh, anticipated games of the the young season, but it's why they play the games. Here we are. Let's kick it off with the San Antonio Spurs Sage. It's a team that is six and seven on the season, uh, fallen off a bit since that uh, unexpected hot start. They 
clearly went a different direction, trading away DeJounte Murray. They, they cut Josh Primo after um, the off-court incidents of him exposing himself to multiple women. And they're really relying on Keldon Johnson and, and Devin Vassell. Oh, all right. I was going to make sure you said my boy. Yes. Don't, 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 don't get it twisted. Oh, and, I, and I'm going to this game. So, so how, how do the Blazers, um, how do they ensure that they don't fall victim to the rule where the first game back from home after a long road trip is essentially another road game? How do they get their minds right? How do they kind of lock in and see, Oh, you know, it's San Antonio. Like how do they get up for this game? What do they have to do to ensure they can keep this momentum going against a Greg Popovich coach team? Hmm. I, I think that it's a lot of know your personnel. So knowing that Jeremy Sochan isn't a good shooter, he's a, the starting power forward for that team last time I checked. Yes. Jacoporal isn't the best shooter. So it's a lot of knowing which spurs on the court and adjusting to that strategy. You don't let Devin Vassell have open shots. You let Trey Jones shoot. You let Jeremy, you gladly let Jeremy shoot. I mean, their their team is because of the Zach Collins injury. They have they're adding in one more weird dude. So I, Blake I think Wesley, their rookie, is also out six to and eight. You weeks. know, you didn't have oh Blake was out. Yeah. So it's Langford, right? Mm-hmm. So like it, it's a lot of know your personnel type of game. I think if we play Blazers basketball and acknowledge who's in at all times, I think we win this game. But if like let's just say we don't rep respect. Devin Vassell or Kelvin, then it could be a long game. But as long as we know you that know who's on the court at what time and know the defense, like this is a perfect game to do a two, three, but kind of shadow whatever corner or side Devin Vassell's on. Cause I feel like Kelvin Johnson has improved his jump shot, but it, if he's taking off the dribble threes, this is fine for us. So I feel like this is a know your personnel type of game. Yeah. I think they have to make sure they, automatically identified Doug McDermott as soon as he checks in you can't let him have a Gabe Vincent Max Drews type of performance like they have with the Miami Heat against the Blazers and also box out Jakob Pertl oh yeah this is a Jakob Pertl has had games where he has I think it was two years ago uh, where he just dominated Portland on the glass in the second half of a game and he can do that. Uh, he is a double-double type of player. I, I think the Blazers generally, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, do a good job of holding opponent second-chance points in check. That's the, that's the number I'm going to be looking at. Uh, rebounding, second-chance points. Uh, can the Blazers come out and limit the Spurs to one possession? Um, I think this has got to be another big Jeremy Grant performance. I don't know if anybody on their front line who is going to stay in front of him or or slow him down. Uh, so that's my guy to keep an eye on. I I also have the Blazers winning. I have the Blazers winning. Um, do you think Yusuf Nurkic comes back? Because I think that just adds to the uh, the victory chances. Asking it, me about Blazer injury. I mean, Gary Payton II is supposed to make his debut, uh, according to, to Chris Haynes. Who knows if that's accurate? Um, it, it's, it's almost like I just wake up and I look at, you know, who's it's a new player who's not playing. I, I don't know. Because... Do you think Eubanks can handle Jakob? Drew's a scrapper, and he also played with Jakob, so he he knows his tendencies. Like Drew used to play for the Spurs, um, and that's what one thing you have to have you to to be a good rebounder. Y'all, you obviously have to have good instincts, but you have to have a will. You have to have a want to get the ball. 
Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a gang rebounding. I mean, we have Josh Hart, which really makes me feel comfortable about getting uh, to the glass. And I think it's one of the reasons the Blazers do such a good job at holding those opponent second chance points in check. Um, so I do think they're going to do a good job on the boards. This is also going to be the second night of a back-to-back for the Spurs. They play at Golden State the night prior. Uh, this will be the second of a five-game mm-hmm. road trip for them. So, I mean, Portland has no excuse to not come out and just absolutely lay it all over uh, the Spurs. Is there a random spur that you're scared of besides Devin and Dougie McBuggets? I, I just I think it's it's a collective Josh Richardson. I mean, I think there's a, there was a game with the Miami Heat probably oh, yeah. four years ago. I went to that he had a big night. Uh, he has the capability of doing it. It's the I think the honestly the only way the Blazers lose is if the Blazers lose to themselves. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they don't show up, they don't take this game seriously. Because if you look at the rosters, you look at the schedule. This should be a schedule loss for the Spurs. Yeah. Portland, you're sitting at the top of the Western Conference. If you're not up for every single game i i don't know what to tell you i think we have, you have bigger problems that we would have to discuss next week and i don't want to have that discussion so let's just hope the blazers take care of business and then it would be on to the the brooklyn nets who will still be without uh kyrie irving thursday uh sage ben what did the blazers have today. to do to get this done ben did not play today and i really wish i was look Sundays are usually my uh, break days from betting, but there's a, uh, I'm not going to, there is a site that is very, very plus uh, for betters right now. And I didn't really look at it very clearly. And uh, I lost money because I thought Ben Simmons was playing, but he he was out today. So there's a chance he doesn't. Um, Ben and shellacked by the Lakers. Yeah. I feel like Nick Claxton and Ben, are the center rotations. They got schlacked by the Lakers without LeBron. So let, mm-hmm. let that sit in. Kate, I mean, like the, the Nets are not a good team right now. No, it, they have not Ke- been a Kevin good team. Durant, you, you cannot let Kevin Durant get 50. Like it's, it's gotta be anybody else, but KD. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's pretty like the two best players right now have been Kevin Durant and Royce O'Neal. Like think about that. Royce O'Neal was getting played off the floor in Utah whenever the hell they chose. Now he's like the second or third best guy on the Brooklyn Nets. So it's, I feel like this whole week is know your personnel, know who's on the court. Like you don't let Seth, if Seth Curry plays, you don't let him shoot. You don't let Joe Harris shoot. He did not play tonight. Yeah. He's been, he's been on the, like not playing back to backs thing. Or who are you saying? uh, 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 Harris or uh, uh, Seth? No, Joe Harris played. Seth Curry did not play. And yes, I think this is a know your personnel type of game. Like they're the last guys, game of a road trip for them too. If Yusuf plays, I think he could put Nick Claxton in hell. Yeah. Because Nick Claxton's a very skinny, wiry center, and Yusuf could just put the thing down and you know get like 25 rebounds against the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I think the key is going to be to keep Kevin Durant off of the line. Uh, he got to the line 15 times against the, the Lakers, and he clearly has the ability to do that. Um, so keep KD off of the line and then know your, this is a know your personal game for me, because if you want to go zone, if you want to try and defend Durant in different ways, you have to be cognizant and aware of who else the the Nets are surrounding Durant with, because you don't want to leave Joe Harris, uh, Patty Mills or, or, you know, Cam Thomas, uh, open from, from deep. And Patty Mills has kind of been a blazer killer these past 
couple of years. So the Blazers really have to be sharp here and not just assume, oh, Kyrie's not playing. Oh, Ben Simmons might not be playing. Like we've got this in the bag. They're still a team capable of putting up 120 points. So you don't want to get into a shootout. The Brooklyn Nets aren't a good defensive team, but Portland hasn't played fantastic at home this year either. So I think they win. Um, I think this is a game where the, the Blazer backcourt just, I mean, Edmund Sumner and Joe Harris are their starting guards. Like they have nobody on the perimeter that can keep up with the Blazers. You could put them into pick and roll nightmares. Uh, you could isolate and spread the floor. Um, I think if the Blazers are hitting their shots, that they win this game. I have the Blazers winning with, behind their backcourt. I do too. But I mean, like Katie's been the second best player in an entire generation of ballers. So, like, even though the Brooklyn Nets suck right now, you can't let that man abuse us. And then the final game of the week will be the Utah Jazz, a team that has lost uh, two straight, but they are still uh, 10 and five on this this season. I believe it took 59 points uh, from Joel Embiid to, to beat the Jazz. The Jazz only lost by seven in Philadelphia. But this is this is a game where um, I am really looking forward to watching this 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 one because. The Jazz play a brand of basketball that I think can get the Blazers in trouble. They, they 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 dribble, they drive, they kick, they swing, they play unselfishly. They they don't waste possessions. They're not going to do a lot of isolation. And and we've seen the Blazer defense. It does break down after a couple of passes. And the Jazz are kind of littered with with shooters. I mean, like Beasley, Larry Markkinen, uh, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, they they have Colin Sexton off the bench. Kelly Olynyk can spread the floor. Like this is a game where the Blazers may have to go small to win. Um, and this would be a game where I would love to have Gary Payton, the second back, because you want him out there just causing all sorts of panic and hell and just really thwarting anything. The jazz want to do at the point of attack, because if you get them out of the rhythm, Utah's not going to beat you going isolation. What they want, they want to play team basketball. So if you can force them to go one-on-one Portland's going to have a, a good time. Um, but this this one I, I'm I'm stoked to see. Is this a coin flip game for you? No, I think the Blazers are going to win this game. Okay. I, I think they have more star power. Like who's the Utah Jazz? They're playing good team basketball. But at the end of the day, I don't think Lowry Markman can defend Jeremy Grant. I, I think Josh Hart can get what he wants. I, I think the Blazers are going. Damian Lillard loves playing the Utah Jazz. I think Dame's going to have like a 50 pointer to be I just I don't see I think the Jazz are slowly starting to come back to earth. Oh yeah, they bit. were playing at like a a positive regret like the the most positive they can be. So this Van, to me is a game like Brooklyn. I think if Portland hits their shots, like they're going to get the shots they want. They they're going to get the looks they want. If they hit them that they're going to win because I just don't see how they have the perimeter defense to handle Portland and again if you're able to go small, similar to what Portland did opening night in, in Sacramento, uh, Portland can go small. And that's the beauty of this roster. They can go big and they can go small and they can be effective in both scenarios. So if Portland is able to do that, they can really uh, assert themselves and, and get the looks they want. Um, I, I'm feeling very solid about this team after that New Orleans victory. That New Orleans victory was just so impressive how they were able to to figure out a way to defend a team I thought they had no chance in hell of defending. So, so. I, I think I think the Jazz there's but this will be the toughest game of the week. 
there's multiple ways to attack the Jazz defensively. Vando has like a foul rate that's like Jaron Jackson-esque. He doesn't keep his hands to himself. So if Dame can get Vando into trouble, there really isn't a defender on that team outside of Jared Vanderbilt. So I would I would start by just pick and roll Jeremy Grant and Damian Lillard, get him into foul trouble, and then it gets a lot easier. Um, this is also the second night of a back-to-back for Utah. They play Phoenix at home, and then they have to come to Portland. Mike Conley's been playing back-to-backs, which is surprising me. But uh, one thing that I've noticed is that Colin Sexton had a very limited role to start the year, and now they're pushing him up to like 28, 30 minutes. So having Colin Sexton on the court is very beneficial and very bad for the Jazz because of his vision issues. He doesn't see – he kind of has the Anthony Simons issues where he sees directly in front of him, but in the sides – or in the peripherals, he doesn't see the teammates. But if you let him drive to the hoop, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to penetrate. So we have to actually build that wall defensively to stop Colin Sexton. He's not going to find that guy that's open because of the help. That's just not what he sees. So I the would Jazz be- are only 500 away from basket, from, from uh, Salt Lake City. They're 5-5 five and five on the year. So all of their losses have come away from home. So this is where you want to get Utah in Portland. But yeah, I, I think the Blazers win, and I think uh, I think attacking Jared Vanderbilt and forcing him to pick up fouls is going to be a key for them. I mean, that would be fantastic. Portland would be twelve and four on the season, and have a lot of momentum heading out into a a road trip that that features Milwaukee, Cleveland, New York, and Brooklyn. Um, you could start to, to to believe a little bit more. Like right now, it's a fun story, but there are some instances and circumstances where it's like, is is there something brewing here in, in Rip City? You know, Damian Lillard said it, I think, after the Miami game, like something special is going on. There's there's a belief around this this team and, and the, the group of guys that they believe in one another. And um, Dame also mentioned after, I think, another one of the games, like this is the youngest team that he's been a part of. Like he kind of came into an older team as a rookie. Um, he is now kind of the, the old man on the roster at 32. And it's not just like young. You think, oh, 25, 26 year olds. They, they've got some like 19, 20, 21 year old players. And he's like, you know, we listen to really young music. Like I'm up on the latest trends like this. I, I think they're almost like revitalizing him in a way. I think there's just a, a funness around the roster. They got a good mix of young and old and when you play hard and you believe in yourself, good things generally happen when those two are part of your recipe. So that would be magnificent if we come next Sunday and we're talking about a three and O week. Um, Sage, any final thoughts? Uh, no, let's get out of here. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, and anywhere that you get your podcast, we will be on it. So thank you so much for listening and we are out of here. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!